Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, this is Lily Vakili and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Welcome to another episode of Tobin Tonight here with Lily Vakili. Did I say it right? You did. Perfect. It was so nice to have you on. See it. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Lily, we're going to go all over this uh, place in this conversation, but I really want to ask you, because it was kind of interesting that were you born in Honduras? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So if someone told me to find it on a map, I'm going to, I'm going to basically, there's going to be a crowd like, why did he start off this way? I wouldn't know where to find that on a map. But I read that when you were born, your father basically had to step over. It was like a military, during a time of a military coup, and he said they like stepped over. There was a fair amount yeah. of political instability in Honduras at that time. And and frankly, there's been a fair amount generally in Honduras. Yeah. But at the time, yeah, there was a lot of political upheaval. And in order to get to my mother in the hospital, he had to go through a lot of yeah it was it was you know i won't go into de- gory details but yeah but well, uh, he did say that that probably had something to do with my overall personality yeah it, I, i'm just interested like and how so like how how would you describe your personality oh that's difficult like oh your personality is difficult no i'm like kidding <laughs> well some would say yes but anyway you know because it's kind of like beauty in the eye of the beholder right like what's okay. your personality i think that I, I am told that all kinds of things. I don't know how to answer that question. No one has ever asked me, what's your personality? See, this is what you get on these Tobin tonight. I know. This is a good question. It's a good It's a good start. I want to ask you, too, like, how did you go from, because obviously you go from Honduras to other places. When did that come about? Because I find it interesting, like, sometimes if you interview a military family, they just move about all the time. Yeah. But, like, how did it come from going to say Honduras to Florida, New Jersey, all over, like all over the map. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, not unlike quote unquote military brats, right? People will often assume that I came from a military family. And the fact is we, we did, you know, a good part of our lives was spent around military and military families, but it was just because that's where kind of like where schools were located and such. So like in Puerto Rico, you know, I attended uh, an Air Force Base school up at Ramey Air Force Base. Woo! But the reason we moved around is because my dad is um, a geneticist and actually a plant pathologist. So he studies disease in plants and particularly in tropical plants. He moved around a lot because of that. And, you know, he and my mother loved the idea of traveling and, you know, came from a I have a big family, so five out of six kids, (laughs) number five. (laughs) And, you know, my mother, being the intrepid woman that she she was, was willing to kind of like load us up and take us all over the world. Nice. Now, you said you you were the, the fifth of six, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, I have two older brothers. I'm the youngest, but like five, 
having like mm-hmm. if you have five of six like well so you're not two yeah, older brothers yeah so you're, not, brother. you're not like the youngest but i feel like it's safe to say you're probably like when it comes to the pecking order i'm the baby girl yeah yeah, yeah. and then i have my little brother to pick on right yeah <laughs> so it's almost like you have one where all the rest of them you know range of like well if i don't feel like picking on her today i can pick on her i can pick on her you're like i only get to pick on one that's the way it rolls you know in the family order right you know yeah. i got to pick on nobody i, <laughs> I had to I wait you were probably also adored right because yeah. like we're the oh the family. yeah don't don't worry i'm like 30 now but i have older brothers that were just like man we couldn't get away with anything and then you come along and you get away with everything i'm like <laughs> dude, you realize that's not on me. That's like whoever came after me, if there was another one, would have gotten away with stuff that- That is the yeah, benefit. That, that is like, it. Like, yeah. you, know, you, have to, you do have to deal with the older siblings and doing everything they tell you to do and all that. But I think, yes, your parents are so exhausted by the time the last one comes along. They're just like, oh yeah, do whatever. Yeah, yeah. no, that's fine. You got a lot of alleys and avenues that you went up, but what drove you to the music side? I mean, I've always, I, I, I'm very musically oriented, love music. Music was a big part of my family life. They're always listening to, you know, just this wide range of, of musical styles and performers. And so that always kind of captured my interest. But I didn't think of myself as a musician. I didn't think of myself as a singer or, you know, a guitarist. I picked up a guitar from my sister after she left for college. And, you know, I kind of taught myself, you know, it's all self-taught, mainly chords. You know what I'm saying? It was a long, I went into theater. I did a lot of different things. I became a lawyer, you know. Now the consistent thing was I kept writing. I kept writing poems. And eventually I picked my guitar back up. And this kind of relates to some of the disability advocacy work that I became involved in. And the guitar became something and starting to make music became very, I was really just doing it for myself and, and for the, my family. It was a, you know, a source of comfort, a source of companionship, if you will. And the more I did it, And the more I started to work with other people and and specifically like with Ben, Ben St. Jack, who's the guitarist, we met and started working together 10 years ago. And, you know, we just built this relationship and the more I did, the more I enjoyed it. And um, it just felt like it was this fantastic release and source of solace and comfort and joy. I decided to pursue it. I, I know there's other things that you kind of dabbled in as well, but it, obviously music was the one that drove, like you had a lot of interest in and drove towards, but like, was there just, cause I, I the way I'll word it in this case is like, you know, I've tried basketball. I've tried <laughs> soccer. I've tried like sports. I'm not saying like, that's a little bit, a little bit too strong of a laugh there, Lily. No, no, <laughs> but like. No, I, but I identify a little bit. Cause I, I, I you know. Yeah, but I was just like, I I don't know why, don't know how. I just enjoyed bowling, and then there's people oh, cool. out there that will like watch, and I'm just like, I think it's like when you're a kid and like you're. I, I look at really it now as like, like Are I look you good at, at it. I, yeah, it's wow. funny because like I, I am not good at it, but <laughs> I like playing. It. I I look at it like when you're older, like I guess if you're a parent, like now, mm-hmm. like just say you're in your 30s, it's like what's the easiest way to have a kids party without getting too <laughs> wild. 
<laughs> take them to bowling. And I'm like, that makes sense. So I think that's that's it. A have, lot of have you ever slid? Have you ever slid down the alley? Oh, yeah. and, right. I've, I I've, always imagine like some yeah. kid is going to go right in there with the pins. You know, I, my my biggest thing is I was very animated. I like comedy. So like you'd have parents watching you and like I tra- I treated it because I had two older brothers in hockey. So I treated it the same as hockey. Not yeah. not a good idea because yeah. <laughs> in hockey, like you could like, you know, yell and punch someone in the face and someone would just be like, yeah, that's not, my kid. Not in bowling, no. Yeah, no, in bowling, I would be like, you didn't get a strike. And I would like stamp my foot and look at my mom and my mom would just be like, not mine. Like, you know, like you're embarrassing me. And I'm just like, no, they're not all going is. down. Yeah. Someone help me. They're not all going down. And then you just like, keep your arm straight. And I'm just like, okay, two things. My arm is not going straight. So you either have to adapt with me or you basically have to tell me what else I'm doing. And she's like, I can't help you. start with the bumpers up and all that business? And Oh, yeah. We, we started with that and then it was just easy. But I think sometimes that creates an illusion in your mind where it's like, I'm always going to have the bumpers, man. It's like, no, you're not. So get used like, to throwing it's it. It's never going to go into the gutter. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I only re- I only realized so it's like a funny story, but I only realized the other day when I'm playing Mario Kart with my friends, I've had the bumpers up, so like <laughs> I've been cheating the whole system, and I didn't even realize. So I was like, I was like, man, I'm missing the ramps. How come you guys are hitting the ramps? It's like, well, do you have the bumpers on? And I was like, no, there's nothing stopping me from falling off. And it's like, okay, but Brian, if you go towards the side, does your car kind of automatically? And I'm like, yes, it does. It's like, yeah. you got the bumpers on, like. Oh my God. I was like, I'm so okay. sorry. You know what? I'm going to check because my son loves playing Mario Kart. <laughs> I never noticed the bumpers. Yeah. It's if you see on the back of the car, it's an antenna. Wow. It's, it's an the, antenna? Yeah. If there's an antenna on the back of your car, he has bumpers. the bumpers up. I didn't even know. Like, I, I, oh my we God. Played, I, I mean, I've known this. Uh, this has been years. Been, he's been playing this. This game. is brand new information. <laughs> it's brand new. I'm going to be distracted for the rest of this. Interview. Oh, good. I, I'm just going to be talking and you're just going to be sitting there. And then like in the back of your mind, it's like, I didn't understand. Bumpers. I had the bumpers up and you just hear me go like, Lily, Lily. And you'll be like, bumpers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, no, I do think it's interesting. Cause yeah, I got interested in bowling and then I've tried different things. And then I just, I don't know why I just really like public speaking because it was like, kind of like, again, the comedian side is you have yeah. people drawn towards you yep. and for like, I don't know, say five minutes of the time that you're doing a speech, they're attracted to you. They're listening to what you're saying. You have that power where everything else is like a bit of a team sport. I'm not saying I'm not a team player. It's just that I like to make people laugh. So if somehow I leave and someone laughs for like two seconds, I'm like mission accomplished, man. Did yeah. did that great. But yeah. bowling, it's like I can hit a strike and someone like the next person comes up and hits a strike too. I'm like, there goes my fame. <laughs> right so at least with comedy or like you know public speaking you could like hit a perfect punchline or say something that like that's going to stick with me for a while and they're like that's good that's true that's true yeah you make people laugh i mean they remember it right you make people feel good right because yeah. it's kind of it's a diversion and it's a shared kind of thing and yeah I mean, so with music, when you said it was more or less like of a comfort for you or something that kind of, I guess, you got interested in, did you find that kind of similar with music to you? Like if you have an audience, they engaged in the music and you were like, all right, it's kind of like oddly putting, but like a drug where you're kind of like, all right, the audience is feeding off me and this is kind of giving me 
like a high. I, and that was, oh. that's, those aren't my words. Those are Colin Mockery's words. Colin Mockery <laughs> said the same thing about comedy. So <laughs> totally. I mean, I think anyone who does this experiences, right? So that's why, you know, performing live is so fantastic. I mean, you know, it's, it's of course, sometimes it doesn't work, right? I guess just like in comedy, right? You can yeah. blow the line or whatever. You know, you're testing something. And, but it, what I like about performing live is that when it works, one, it means that you've, you've really connected even if it's two people in the room, which we've played to before. And the band connects, and it's just this incredibly exhilarating feeling. You know, you just feel extremely present. Um, Your mind is completely, your whole being is focused on the thing at hand, not distracted, worrying about this or that, or, you know, it's all encompassing in the moment that you are performing and that's really incredible yeah i think it's interesting because when you bring up live shows like obviously with the pandemic there wasn't a lot of live shows if any you do kind of miss those aspects like i feel like people kind of adjusted after a while but like yeah like if you're the artist you're probably like can we do some live shows i've got like it's like i've got songs that i want to perform live so people can see the difference between a live version and i give credit to some acts that I know when I was younger, I was in the boy and girl bands and I'm sure they can do great performances, but it's like, I will always come back to like, I think the, it's like Oasis. They did like, obviously when they're in their own country, they amp it up way more, but there was, I think one time at Wembley that they were performing mm-hmm. and the way that crowd attached to Wonderwall. Now I know it's like, Oh yeah. Wonderwall, of course. But like, mm-hmm. I was just like, man, if I was alive during that time or like, you know, capable of traveling i would want to be there because they just like i don't even think the band got a word out they just took it right from yeah. them and some bands totally. like it some bands don't yeah and then there's other times where i think i've seen one where john mayer was in la mm-hmm. and i was looking up on youtube and he just does a cover of um i think it's like a tom petty song uh-huh. and i'm like all right that's a high bar let's see how it goes and, correct and he does it so good well, I would expect that John Mayer's would. You bring up a good, yeah. a good point because I, I am very leery of uh, doing covers yeah. <laughs> because just for that reason, you know, it's like if you're going to cover a Tom Petty song, a Prince song, uh, yeah. you know, fill in the blank song, Springsteen, you've got to make it your own. But you, you gotta still have, do a good job. Yeah, yeah, and and it's 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 very very tricky. So generally speaking, I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Someone's already done that really well. Why yeah. don't I just do my song? <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting because sometimes artists will see a cover of that of like their song, and then they'll be like, they'll either like it or they'll comment, which goes a long way for that artist because obviously they pre like they grew up listening to you, yeah. and this is how they got into it. But I feel find some artists will just be like, all right, I seen it, but I don't want to comment and give them attention. And like, I'm like, all right, that's kind of shitty. If anything, if I'm the artist, I'm like, it makes you look good. If you kind of give them a hey, shout out for flattery, it. you know, yeah. it's flattery. Come on. Someone has decided that your music is something. I mean, I'd yeah. be thrilled if someone covered my music. You know? <laughs> I'm, li- I'm living for the day, man. I'm yeah. Living yeah. For the day. Some, someone will come on my podcast one day and just be like, man, like that, 
that Lily girl, like she did really, and I'd be like, it's funny. We interviewed her and it's like, no way. I'd be like, hold on, let me find the contact. You can, but it's like, hey, listen, if she doesn't like it or retweet it, don't take it personally. <laughs> uh, still sticking to the music side of things. Yes. I want to ask you now, like, tell me a little bit about your new album for people who don't know about it and the kind of music that you play. Because again, we're looking at an audience that are probably looking at you for the first time here and going like, I'm interested, but she has to sell me on why I have to go to iTunes and download it. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I mean, we're really freaking good. What can I say? But it's original. It's original rock and roll. It's some very, you know, here's what would have sold me on me like, if I didn't know. So someone recently said, she was like, oh, listen to the band, listen to our new album, which is Walking Sideways, which is, you know, kind of like my joke about how I get places. I never <laughs> take the straight road. I'm always like, how did I get here? Well, I'm walking sideways. But uh, she was like, she listened to the album. She's like, it's a little bit like, she's like, yeah, they're like the Ramones, the Pretenders, the Stooges. Nice. And kind of like Meatloaf too. <laughs> and I was like, that's hilarious. And I loved it because it kind of captures uh, the band's vibe, which is, it's very much kind of this rock and roll with kind of a punk element to it, but there's a lot of social commentary and there's a lot of humor. And okay. so, uh, you know, we write about, we, uh, I write about and, and the band kind of, we come together and we build these songs out together and it's just, um, it's a huge, it's a huge joy. I mean, you know, we get to kind of tell stories, tell them in a way that gets people either dancing or just, you know, <laughs> and um, or or gives them something to think about, but in a way that kind of gives them a little earworm, you know. Yeah, check it out. I, I'm thrilled with what we're hearing from people who didn't know us and kind of the associations that they're making. Yeah. And uh, we just got to keep proving ourselves live because that's that's a high bar. <laughs> the pretenders to just Ramones and meatloaf. I'm like, oh, all right, guys, let's rehearse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the bar that we think someone else set for us. Thank you. Now we have to live up to that. Now, bar. Yeah, we have Thanks. to live up to it. Yeah. But um, but we love playing live. You know, we love the energy and we love kind of the edginess of just being there on a stage. Hopefully, you know, you're in a we play all kinds of venues and some of the most exciting ones are the ones where the audience is right there, right there in front of you. Cause I tell you what, that is, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's no filter. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to ask you to kind of getting outside the music side of the box. Mm -hmm. What made you become more or less of a lawyer? Because out of all things, I feel like that should be almost like an NBC show where it's like Lily's a lawyer by day and then by night she's performing in a band. And then it's like, wait, is this on NBC or is this on Disney? I'd be like, it doesn't matter. Hey, you know, someone write that script. 
Her so, power as a lawyer is to rock on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, look, I I know that to me, of course, it does not seem so strange. It's just my life. Yeah. I've pursued the things that interested me. I've had opportunities at certain times and I've tried to take advantage of them. I've always loved language and have been interested in the impact of words. <laughs> what do they mean? How are they used? And um, and that applies to music as well, of course. And, you know, I started off actually in theater. And of course, it applies to theater. So to me, you know, I was in terms of law, I was very curious about the rules or the norms that societies that people establish for themselves. And a lot of them are very aspirational, you know, and, and, and aren't met. Our rights, our rights, whether it's, you know, to speak freely, uh, whether to, you know, not suffer from oppression from the state, those things come from words that are then acted on, you know, in the context of whether it's protest or law. I think people are inherently aspirational. They wish for things. And one of the ways that they express those aspirations, right, is through language and words. That to me is the through line. And of course, I practice law, right? So yeah. I find it fascinating, right? Because to me, most of the people, most people I know, they don't kind of pigeonhole themselves and say they're kind of one thing. Everybody is a complex human being and they have a lot of different aspects to themselves. I'm kind of cool with it. So like when you were going to, I obviously like you went to school for law, but like what was there ever like kind of this idea of because I know sometimes with law, like you got to meet, you got to meet bars, you got to pass certain tests, you got to have certain grades. Was there ever like this kind of side point when you're in university or college and you're like, maybe, maybe I'll take a different path? Or was it just always kind of, I'm interested, in it, I'm going to get it? Because the mm -hmm. reason I bring that up is I, I always felt like I wanted to be a journalist. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I started getting into the nitty gritty of like, going to university now i'm not saying oh yeah every day was a party but i was just more or less going all right i'm watching kids that i want to be in the same class at because i originally got into media studies because i wanted to do film yeah and then um, i i was like all right i didn't ever get to hold a camera in university and i was like all right bad move i should have went to a college where it's a little bit more hands-on but yeah. i was like all right i'm in i'm in it to win it at this point so mm -hmm. the guy was like well if you do well, you can transfer over into journalism. I was like, great. So I, I got to meet some of these kids through the course I was taking. Yeah. And I would ask them maybe like on a daily basis, like, hey, we're done class today. Like, do you want to just go to the, like the pub? Do you want to just watch a game? And they're like, no, man, I got to work on a newspaper story. I got to do this, this. I'd be like, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to go play hockey with some of the neighbor kids. <laughs> so like, if you want to join, but I, I didn't understand that they were so stressed out on making this average where it was like, they had to do the school newspaper. They had to do this, this. And if they got a 75, that was still kind of borderline. But if a kid got an 85, but he wasn't involved in the newspaper, this and this, he wasn't getting advanced. So it's almost like the more you were in, yeah, yeah, it kind of, yeah, yeah. and I was just like, that is not a way that I want to live. Yeah. I was like, I want to have fun, but right. I want to learn. Yeah. So that's why I ended up doing communications because you could still branch into different aspects. So I, I guess in a long way of getting around to it, but like, was that like your idea with law? Was there ever a second kind of way of going like, maybe I'm not going to take law. I like this, but law kind of overtook that. 
No, I mean, it's not like I had some plan. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've always enjoyed studying and being very focused on things. Oh, you're one of those people. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I've got the glasses to prove it, right? You know, um, when I when I something interests me, I do hone in on it. Look, I was surrounded by people who were you know, some people who were just brilliant. That was the other thing. I loved being around people who were I was learning from. Yeah. You know, I felt like I had the benefit of being in these classrooms and listening to some of these people talk and thinking about how they were, you know, thinking about judicial philosophy and rights and, you know, the the role of law and pursuing social justice and using law to pursue social justice. These things were just fascinating to me to have access to. So it's not like I was the best student or anything like that. You know, it's not like I was just, you know, hitting all the marks this way and that. Yeah. But I was sure benefiting from the intelligence of the people around me. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that I can do all of these things that I, that interest me, that just engage me and that allow me to kind of build relationships with other people that I find really meaningful and productive. Yeah. I, I guess like, you know, for each person it makes them unique of what they kind of have the interest in or choose to do. Now, you are an advocate for, you know, autism, disability. I want to ask you, like, because you have a child with autism, correct? Yes, an, an adult son at this point, yes. Okay, an adult son. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's almost like me. I, I consider myself an adult child. No, no. Well, you, you are a child. I'm a child. Of- yeah, yeah, we're, we're, all child. <laughs> we're all children of some point. Uh, but I, I want to ask you, like, now I come from the side of Sturge Weber, so I have, like, kind of seizures like it's funny because I have two lights set up here, like different mm-hmm. sides to make the screen looks better, uh, letting a little bit in behind the scenes people. But uh, I know if I stare directly at it for hours, which I used to do, as soon as this like conversation would be over, I would be upstairs going like, oh, my God, like not with a migraine, but just knowing I basically F myself for the yeah. night because now I'm going to have this whole right side goes numb. Right. It's oh. not good. So now I try to keep yes. them off to the sides. Yes. But Tell me a little bit about like growing up with a child with autism, because I don't know a lot about autism. I'm more focused on my disability, mm-hmm. but there are people out there that do have children with autism. Yeah. Grown children, children in general. Uh, <laughs> but like, tell me how not difficult it could be, but like things that you kind of had to kind of sit back and be like, how do I go about this? How do I, you know, make this a little bit more normal for this person? Yeah, well, thank thank you for asking that. You know, you know, because I I, I think people um, people benefit. Sometimes people shy away from these questions. We don't shy away from anything. We don't. Uh, we're right there, man. Yeah, if someone wants to so, cancel me tomorrow, I'd be like, listen, I have a lawyer. She's also she's <laughs> also a dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, my son, you know, um, has a, a number of real challenges and disabilities that he, you know, deals with, um, you know, one of which is similar to your own. And he's also, you know, been received this diagnosis as a child that he was on the autistic spectrum. And okay. he uh, is largely, um, he has extreme difficult speaking. So he uses, over the years, he learn to uh, use an iPad 
thank goodness for, you know, technology has its great benefits, right, uh, to, to communicate. And it, that's been, that's really provided a big window for him. But your question was more like as a parent. And, you know, I think most parents will tell you, you know, raising a child is, um, you know, hair raising as it is, incredibly joyful, but also you deal with a lot of struggles. That's when, when we play the Highway to Hell song. Oh my God. Right? We all, yes. So, but when you're dealing with a child who has severe medical issues, you know, you're a bit at a loss. No one necessarily plans for this. Yeah. And so you have to find the the resources and the people who will help. And I guess that's part of the story is that I, I found, an, you know, not just medical professionals. And there's a group of, of women that I'm, I'm very close to. We all have children with some kind of you know disability or challenge and we have supported each other uh as our children have grown up and those women were essential to my peace of mind um keeping a sense of humor having a shoulder to cry on people who understood what was going on without my having to explain it and they continue to be incredibly supportive um as a matter of fact two of them have a podcast called uh it's like two moms no fluff and you should check it out um two incredible women who are talking about what it's like to raise children uh, who have a disability and 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 how it is to kind of navigate the world that way any parent wants wants their child to find a way to express themselves to have a sense of belonging and community and I love that. The doctor's trying and to the dog me. What about me? I have an opinion too here. Thank you, Juno. <laughs> that was Juno. And uh so you know, it is very challenging, but anyone who has been in a caretaking position for someone they care and you know love understands. And guess what? Most of the world has, one way or another. You know, this is what connects us. So, you know, I think there can be a tendency to feel like if you're not familiar with someone's particular issue, like, oh, I don't know how to handle that. It makes me uncomfortable. I always appreciated um, for a while I would go into like when my son was much younger, I would go into the military, uh, the elementary schools and talk to classes about, you know, I would just go in and say, well, you know, let's talk about my son and, you know, open up the questions open up the floor for questions yeah. and kids are nothing if not you know <laughs> they will ask anything yeah. elementary especially the younger ones yeah. and it was actually great because then you could you could give them honest answers open honest answers and give them the opportunity to be more comfortable and understand how they can be a more supportive person i think i prefer like you know with not to compare and contrast, but I think with any disability, I feel like it's just sometimes society can be like, hey, don't ask that, or you don't know how that person's going to take it. And I get that because they're not everyone's opened. I get it. But sure. I think it's just, you know, if you want to stop having the closed door or the assumptions, just, I'm not saying like, oh, suck it up and talk about it. Like, obviously, it's totally up to you, but just ask, like, what's the worst thing the person's going to say is actually, it's just, it's a sore subject. I don't want to talk about it. Like, that's fine. But at least you asked like for me. And, and would, often, right. Yeah. You, you might appreciate it, you know, cause it gives you an opportunity to just 
I know about your experience. If anything, it should try to make things a little bit more comfortable. Like I can imagine. So my, my scenario is like we play Mario Kart with my friends and I hate rainbow road just because (laughs) it's a a shitty level to begin with, but it's like, but like, it's like now with the bumpers on, when I put the bumpers off, it's a lot worse. Looking for those bumpers, man. But like, it's just, it's just, again, with Sturge Weber, it's the Mm -hmm. whole, epileptic side of things where you're looking at a road and then i and I've even, that, yeah and i've even that told like, people, for you that's what's yeah like me. i i tell people like when i used to play it on nintendo 64 when i was younger it's not a big it's on a tv you're sitting yeah. there it didn't affect me as much because we weren't as advanced with technology we weren't as advanced of graphics and details yeah i can't play the switch like this like if i'm playing i can't because i'm motion oh. and then it's just too much so I can play it on TV, no problem. It's just that the Rainbow Roads, for me, still cause that kind of like, all right, if I get sick later, I know why. But I, yeah. but my, I will joke with my friends is like, anything besides Rainbow Road, please. And then some of them are like just assholes, and will choose Rainbow Road. And then I will laugh at it because I can play it. But I know the moment that because it hasn't happened yet. But if there's ever a moment where we go on a certain Rainbow Road, I will tell them guys i i can't like i can't play this level because and then they they'd understand it it's like i feel like if there's the one person that's like well i want to play it i'd be like all right i'll finish eighth but you're the monster here because you, you, (laughs) you excluded me hi i'm steve yurko and i'm tara sands now available from maji media is our new podcast four kids flashback 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Um, but no, I like, like I, I think it's interesting because like having those conversations with people, you they get a kind of a sense of where you're coming from with it that you can joke around with it. Like yeah. we played the other night and they chose rainbow road. Now there's like five of us. So like the one person who chose it kind of felt like if it goes on rainbow road, all right, but the odds of it happening is like 20%. Yeah. It didn't, but he was just kind of just being a little bit of a dick, I guess. And was like, well, if it lands on, it, let's see if Brian will play it. And I'm like, Oh, of course I'm going to play it. Cause it's not that bad, but they're still aside me. Like, why are you a monster? Why? <laughs> but I think it's just being it, it open. provides a point of contact, actually, yeah. right? And like if, it, if you're then open. It's out in the open and, yeah. and it's not like, oh, you know, no one wants to be, for example, stared at. Right. You yeah. know, a lot of the times when we go out, you know, uh, you know, sometimes I, I will say I'm uh, I'm kind of sick and tired of being like a poster child for, you know, like the family poster child, whatever. Sometimes you get tired of that. But on the other hand, because people do sometimes stare and you know whatnot but you do have to be out in the world it's better to just be out there and it makes it a lot easier when you've got friends and community that is understanding 
we all have our barriers. You're, if you're accustomed to, you know, speaking out loud, then you may not understand how much someone else is experiencing and how they're experiencing the world, which can be very complex and very yeah. emotionally complex, but you're only seeing it through your filter. And I think when you start to move, you know, if you're aware of what your filter is and that there are other ways, you know, there's sign language, there are, you know, people type things out. Sometimes they're just looking at things you can see with their eyes or, you know, there, there are so many different ways people communicate is what I, what I'm getting at. Yeah. And if you're open to communication, you will find a way to, if you're patient and you're open to communication, you'll find a way to respect someone who doesn't communicate the way that you do. How does he have his kind of own independence? Because I know like that's another thing that parents kind of worry about. Like I know with me, my parents, like obviously I'm capable of doing plenty of things, but they just want to make sure like if something ever came up, we know like, you know what to do kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And I'm like completely understood. But how does he kind of maintain having somewhat of an independence? Because it's autism. I know it's kind of a disability in itself as well. But like, how does he maintain that? Because you did say like, he plays video games. He does these things. So how does he get to kind of still have his own little life, I guess, as well? He has relationships with other people, right? Now, yeah. it's within a world of generally support. And so I think, you know, from a parent's perspective, but also just from the perspective of someone who values individual expression, my husband and I, we, we try, I mean, we have three kids, right? With all of them, we want them to express themselves, find ways to feel independent in the world. Now it depends on, you know, it's always, it's always a balance. You have to balance the medical issues and the need to, you know, make sure that someone is, is safe with a willingness to also let them go out and be in the world. (laughs) So, you know, for my son, that means that he generally needs to have someone with him, a companion to help him do things, right? Not everything, but many things. That's just one parameter, right? So it's like, you know, if you, if you use the analogy of, well, you know, I need to wear glasses to read, right? What is the support that's going to enable this person to to be successful? To be successful, to better express themselves, like the iPad, right? When the iPad technology came out and one, there was an app that was developed called uh, Proloquo, which is a text-to-speech app. That was huge because then my son was able to show other people that he knew how to read. Nice. Okay. Right. You know, it was, it was, it was really transformational for him in a lot of ways, even though his communication is still quite limited, limited. Yeah. Um, But still that was a big difference. And of course, you know, that's made a big difference for all kinds of people who struggle with whether it's aphasia, whether they're, you know, there are other kinds of communication disorders. Technology has really gone a long way to providing people who have those kinds of communication challenges, ways to communicate, demonstrate, you know, I, their inner thoughts. One of my favorite stories is my son one time took, took me outside. It was, you know, it was just this sun had gone down, the moon had come up. He had his iPad and he wrote beautiful moon. 
There was there was nothing other in that statement that he, than he wanted to share beauty with me. That's yeah. it. He just wanted to share that with me. So yeah. it's all about communication. Yeah. I feel like there's obviously like, you know, there's challenges along the way, but it doesn't mean that they can't be successful or, you know, do things in society. And I think that's kind of interesting in itself because it all depends on, I guess, the field you're interested in as well. Like I know for me with media, it's sometimes like if it's a blind disability, like, and not the blind disability, but I just mean like, it's not there. People don't see it as much. It's kind of like, all right, like, how do we go about asking him this? Like, how do we go about without insulting him or like without trying to pinch a nerve? And I'm just like, I put it on a piece of paper. I have a disability. Like, do you think that I'm not willing to talk about it? Yeah. Like if anything else, if I wasn't willing to talk about it, I wouldn't have put it down. Like, you know, it's like, it's like if you go into a, I don't know if you're just say you're going into a dating scene or something and you don't want them to know you had three divorces, you don't put it down. That's it's simple. <laughs> you know, if you want to talk about your three divorces, so you're being open, you're being open about it. You're not, yeah. you know, I mean, so that's, and, and I think that's huge. That make that's really valuable. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's also, you know, I think it's also a way to make it. Sometimes people have a tendency to, to elevate people with, with disabilities like, Oh, you know, you're such an inspiration or whatever, you know, and it's like, you know what, just let the person be a human being and live their life and, and, you know, recognize them and and give them respect. And it doesn't have to be this question of turning them into something beyond what they are. It's, they may very well be inspirational. That's great. You know, Uh, but this is just a facet of who they are. Like, first of all, (laughs) most people I know, including my son who have, a disability that they have lived with are really strong individuals. Right. And yeah. my guess is that you probably are too. And, uh, because you, I've you, been hitting the gym. To, no, you have to put up with, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. a lot you have to put up with. You know, it's not about kid, treating people with kid gloves. It's just being, it's just being a decent person. Just be, I honestly, just be interested in people. It's that's you know? how I, that's how I feel when like, so it's interesting. Cause when I send out stuff to PR, and like PR will either say, all right, this person's not available. How about this person? I'll be like, sure. Like, I like having conversations. Like, you know, there's an audience out there for everyone. Yeah. Like, right. But at the same point, sometimes I'm like, all right, you motherfucker. I was like, <laughs> you just told me that he was doing no interviews. I just seen him on like a late night show. But then like, that's just me being the person of like, I know I can do this. You have to give me a shot. And then they're just yeah. like, but you realize Jimmy Fallon Conan, you <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, but the reason that is is because I'm not getting. Hey, look, I'm psyched. I'm on Tobin yeah. tonight, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know, who am I? I'm I'm over here making my music and doing whatever. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate. I genuinely do. By the way, I appreciate the opportunity, and I was curious too. I like I watched your stuff, and I'm like, that could be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Lily Vakili for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob Sang. Thank you for listening, and good night. Do 
did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.